This is Conquering Columbus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is your co-host, Mike, here. And today on the show, we're talking with John Brooks, managing partner of BTTS Holdings. BTTS Holdings is an event management company that manages several different venues throughout Columbus, and you'll hear more about that later. But during the show, we talk with John about quite a few different topics. We start out with the importance of learning wherever you are in life and why being a lifelong learner is important for John. I'm a firm believer that uh, there's great learning that can happen at any university, any college, anywhere. But yeah. there's also learning that can happen anywhere, any day. It's so accessible now. I'm a big believer in lifelong learning. I'm still learning. None of us have arrived. We still all have a ways to go. We also discuss whether or not event venues today are safe with new variants emerging and case counts on the rise. You're coming to an event venues professional. So you're probably in one of the safest environments that you can be in. We understand the rules. We understand the regulations. We invested $25,000 a piece in air filtration systems in all of our locations last year. Ionization and air filtration takes out 99.9% of all the bad stuff in the air. I'm not a scientist. I just say bad stuff. Bad stuff, like yeah. The, the bad Nobody stuff. Nobody wants the bad stuff. And we finished the conversation talking about a new nonprofit John and his team are working with and the importance of making a difference for your community, even when you run a for-profit business. I'm a firm believer in radical generosity, and I firmly believe that as a business, as a company, we're here to make a profit and a difference. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. Those can work in tandem. We talk a lot about making a profit and having a purpose. If you're not making a profit, it's very hard to make a difference. Yeah, Profit isn't bad and making a difference isn't bad. So thanks so much for tuning in this week. We really hope you enjoy this episode. And with that, let's get right into the interview. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is your co-host, Mike. We got a full house today. Everybody's in the booth. Tim, Josh, what's going on? Hit me with the tripping birds, bro. Dude, I got it. It's going good. It's peaceful in here. We got birds. I can't tell if that's a bird or it's, a cricket. It's sunny outside. It's a little bit of both. A little bit of both. I, uh, it's I not haven't even, seen you guys in forever. It's not even sunny outside. Well, nobody on the podcast knows that. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't have to tell them. I mean, I'm just going to call Josh out here. We're going to talk about the weather. At least talk about how it's raining in September. It has. What has it been? 14 days, Tim. Dude, at least. I was gone for 16 yeah, he was out at uh, a, uh, what was it, like a conference? Fabtech. Fab trade show in Chicago. Like the you guys first- using that crazy giant booth thing. Yeah, buddy. Together. It, was, it's ridiculous. it was nice to see months of work mm-hmm. uh, come together. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was nonstop. I don't think people fully realize what goes into the, the setup. They like build these massive things and then have to tear them down. Mm-hmm. The setup was actually less of a shit show than the, than the, the takeaway. They mm-hmm. like put our stuff in the wrong trucks. Like I had left and gone to the airport and I got a call like, Hey, like that doesn't fit and had to like go back and stuff. But other than that, it went pretty smooth. It was really successful, but I drove a car for the first time in like Ever? over two weeks today. And it <laughs> felt like it was really fun. I missed that. Yeah. And I'm stoked to be back here in person with you guys. There you go. There you go. Well, good. Well, uh, with that, we can jump right into the interview for today. So today on the show, we've got John Brooks joining us. And John is the managing partner of BTTS Holdings, Inc. And BTTS Holdings has been proud to be a stress-free, one-stop shop event partner for their clients. And their team currently is preparing to resume full-capacity events at their family of venues, including Brookshire and Lewis Center, Water's Edge and Hilliard, the Estate in New Albany, the Fig Room in Short North, and Edison 777 in Italian Village. So that's actually, they're currently open, right, John? I think you guys are currently open at yep. some, many of your locations. Yeah, I didn't want to step on you, but Go all, ahead and our, step. All, step our, all over it. <laughs> all are open and all are open and available at full capacity since June 3rd of 2021, which has been awesome. Great. 
And so, yeah, we're really excited to have John on. That's John, by the way, <laughs> to talk about the story of BTTS Holdings, how COVID has changed the event management industry, and some other exciting stuff that we'll talk more about later. But welcome to Conquering Columbus, John. Happy to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And so, how's your day going so far? Everything going well? My day is going great. I'm here on Conquering Columbus. I'm in... I've hit the You've pinnacle, the peak. Right. Yeah, yeah. As good as it gets. It. There's no yeah, doubt absolutely. about it. It's downhill from here. <laughs> I uh, I can appreciate that. But uh, so can you just start, like one of the places we always like to start, get a little background on our guests, uh, your life kind of to this point, maybe the big highlights along the way. Sure, sure. I can even throw in some lowlights if you want. Sure, there's, there's, we'll take there's, those too. Some, it's, we don't it's discriminate. Not all, it's not all up, up and up uh, when, when you're an entrepreneur. That's for uh, sure. Born and raised here in Columbus, Ohio, uh, actually Westerville, but outside of central Ohio, you say Westerville and they just look at you. So Columbus, Ohio, born and raised. Uh, don't plan on going anywhere. Columbus till I die for me. Happily married, four kids, uh, all highlights, no low lights there, <laughs> and um, have owned and operated and managed our uh, family event venues business uh, for, I think, about the past six years. And so... When you grew up in Westerville, did you end up going away for college? Or did you stay here in college, or was college not even a path you went down? I went down the path. Never came back. I don't know, I don't know where <laughs> this is ending. I went down the path and then went sideways on the path, and um, candidly never came back on the path. I'm a firm believer that uh, there's great learning that can happen at any university, any college, anywhere. Yeah. But there's also learning that can happen anywhere, any day. It's so accessible now. So I'm a big believer in lifelong learning. I'm still learning. Like no, none of us have arrived. We still all have a ways to go. So never got that piece of paper, uh, but life's turned out okay anyway. So speak a little bit more about that if you're if comfortable with it about, you know, a lot of people, they, they think right now they have to go down that path still, you know, and it's maybe becoming more open that you can take alternative forms of education. And if, if you can do the job, that's the most important. And there's like Google that's doing some really cool stuff in that area, but you obviously branched out and reached a tremendous amount of success yourself. When you first left college and decided that's not for me, like, does anything stick out to you in particular? I would say, you know, if you're going to be an engineer, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be something like that. You know, it's just not going to happen without that. Podcast host. You Podcast host. Mm -hmm. you, you for gotta, sure. You at least four-year degree for that. You got to have it. Got to have it. <laughs> um, but if you're doing something outside of that, you know, for me, um, I really grew up in sales. And then that was really about attitude, about resiliency, about getting up every day, being self-motivated. So I got that foundation. I would say if you're not going to go to university, uh, my biggest advice when people come to me and say they want to be an entrepreneur, I would say is find some mentors, find some mentors and be willing to learn from them. Yeah. One of the things I see nowadays is um, apprenticeship. I just don't see it like I used to. Be willing to go work next to Tim Trad for nothing for a year because you're going to get so much value out of that that you can apply down the road and later in life. So and just add value. If, if you can provide value to someone who's doing it, they're going to be more than willing to give you. And not only will you learn from it, they'll be excited to tell you about it. And if you're providing value to them, they're going to want to keep you around and you just have to inherit that information. And yes, you might not get paid. Uh, I mean, I'm sure other people will you know, compensate you, but even if you do what you're talking about for a year, you don't go into school debt, at least. You know, you may have to find another way to, to, to make money and most people will pay you something. Uh, absolutely. But yeah, it's just the, most people I get or I've experienced ask, they want handouts. 
And there's just no, it's, that's annoying to someone who's, who's already being pulled in so many directions. When I ask people for stuff, like right now, I'm trying to get something done that I can't do. And I, I've been hitting this wall and hitting this wall and I'm trying to find people. And I'm like, you seem like you'd be able to provide this information. What can I do? you know, to make that worth your time. And I haven't been able to find the person yet, but I'm approaching it in a way that like, I have at least effort to provide for you and showing you that I didn't Mm -hmm. not try. A lot of these questions are like, Google it. You know what I mean? They just come to you and you're like, did you even try? So yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. Yeah, so if you're not gonna go the university route, I would strongly encourage find mentors, be willing to apprentice, uh, be willing to learn, uh, be patient, be patient. The applicants that we get right now coming out of school or that want to work for us is like, I have my piece of paper. Where's my six figures? And yeah. then three months later, uh, where's my promotion? Mm-hmm. I'm like, you, you don't know anything about anything yet, candidly. Like, let's, let's take our time step by step. As far as being willing to be apprenticed, I'd say most entrepreneurs who are successful business owners, you go to them and you tell them you're willing to work, what can I do? How can I do it? I just want to learn from you. We want to pour into people, right? We want to see people be successful. Mm -hmm. And that success breeds success. Like we want to invest in the next, right? I have a gentleman who emailed me and said, love your company, love your values, love what you're about. So he'd done some homework, Yeah. want to work for you. Like, what do you want to do? Stuff, man, just, I want to give me a shot. And I said, come see me, we had coffee and He's doing 10 to 15 hours a week right now. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. Did you grow up in an entrepreneurial environment or is that something you just found in your own DNA? You know, a family of immigrants. So my great grandparents came here on a boat with $10 in their pocket, 13 years old. So I think maybe it is a little bit DNA. Uh, My father was a firefighter, but always had this entrepreneurial spirit. My mother had an entrepreneurial spirit. We've always been in and around the service industry. So I'd say there's some DNA uh, coupled with you know, just just the learning and and, and 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 the doing. So a little bit of both. And then your early career, like how does it start to unfold for you? Where do you start to find your way as an entrepreneur and start to find your own path? Last week, I mean, I'm, I'm finding my yeah. way. I'm finding my own path still to this day. I won't give my age, but, you know, I'm mid forties and still finding my path, still finding my way. So I think that's all unfolds over time. And you just take step by step, you make connections, you meet people, you build relationships. And I know we're going to talk about getting into COVID a little bit and how we survived last year. That was one of the biggest lessons that we learned last year was those relationships that we had invested in for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. That was the time to make those calls like, hey, chips are down. Who can you count on? Yeah. Maybe, let's, maybe let's touch on that right now. So, you know, let's take a step back. And it's the end of 2019. There's this new virus running around that, you know, you are kind of seeing the warning signs, but this is maybe before everything gets locked down, right? Like, do you start preparing right away for the worst or are you kind of hit when March comes around and you guys are just, oh man, 
it got on our radar in February where mm-hmm. people started asking and we started wondering. And I think we probably all remember the state of Ohio was a leader as mm-hmm. far as in what I'll call shutdowns or lockdowns. And in 2020 hindsight, there was certainly a lot of wisdom in that. When the Arnold got shut down, we all kind of looked at each other like, oh, this is this is really real. Yeah, this is real. Because that brings in so much money for the city. So for them to to pull yeah. a plug on that was like, oh, wow, well, it's not it's the, not a short thing. The, this is happening. This and isn't then, going away. This is, to, I think this, that might be the largest revenue provider of the city, like annually, like single event every year. Yeah, it's think, also got some negatives, but I think that I think it's by far the largest. Yeah, I think that and Quarter Horse Congress, mm-hmm. which is like quietly huge. So that happened. Uh, that's when the client calls started coming in. We want to cancel. We want to cancel. We want to cancel. We want to cancel. And it's like, there's no plan for that. There's yeah. no playbook. There's no class you take at university. There's no podcast you listen to. It's getting in a room with the people who you trust, the people you care about and saying, what should we do? And I remember early on sitting in our conference room and people were asking for reschedules and it just hit me trying to make a decision. And I, and I told our group, what I'm trying to figure out is if we're going to do five of these or 500 the reschedules. Reschedules. Yeah. Because five reschedules is like, okay, five reschedules. Right. But how long is this going to go? Mm-hmm. How hard is this going to be? And nobody knew that. I remember uh, telling my staff, there's no way they'll cancel the Summer yeah. Olympics. Not going to happen. Two yeah. weeks later, no Summer Olympics. John, pure genius. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good example of, of being, I hate the word entrepreneur, but I, it's what it is. There's not a better way to describe it. Because it's such like a buzzword, you know what I mean? There's a lot of people that like the idea of it, but they don't like that side where you have to make calls with very limited data. And it's a very like, right, hey, we're no, going one way or the other. There's no safety net. And they're looking to you for an answer. And you're like, I know nothing more than you. I remember when we came back, the masks prices yeah. were so inflated. And I was really frustrated by that. And I called one of our distributors um, and got some masks wholesale. And I was selling them through my site at cost to get people masks. And we sold out right away. And I was like, oh, should, I don't know if I should order more because this will be over by the time they get in. Right. And that was 18 months ago, right? Yeah. And so, Jeez. you know, I'm making these decisions that I think are well-educated and I had no idea what was going on, you know? So for, for you, that's like one of those situations you said you can't prepare for and you just have to learn from. It's true. And we, we learned every week. We learned together. I think what we did is we uh, tried to simplify, focus mm-hmm. on the clients and focus on really on, uh, caring for and caring about each other with our staff. And then we said, okay, we, we need, we need to all give each other the grace just to make mistakes because we're going to make decisions every day. You're going to issue a refund. You're going to do a reschedule. You're going to answer a client. And literally two hours later, Governor DeWine's going to come on and your answer is going to turn out to be yeah. com- completely tossed away. And we're going to revamp everything mm-hmm. for four weddings with 200 people each yeah. that are happening the next day. We just get, we're just going to do it. We're going to roll up our sleeves and do it. Believe the best about each other. Give each other the benefit of the doubt and realize like we're going to make decisions. They're going to be wrong. You've got to be okay with that and keep moving. We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode. So how does BTTS Holdings come together and what does it stand for? 
I love the fact there's three people here. And then like, there's a gentleman on the side who's super contemplative and he just comes in like with the super legit <laughs> John lay down on the couch and like, you know, anal analyze <laughs> your life. He's questions. got, he's the, got the glasses one. on too. You yeah. know, he's like My only objective is to have you in tears. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Josh is like, guys, we skipped the question on the outline. We're going back to it. Absolutely. BTTS Holdings actually came about really organically uh, over, over time. We had an event venue in Delaware, in Lewis Center, called Brookshire. We got asked, we did another event venue in Hilliard called Water's Edge Events. Then I had this strategic idea. We need to be in New Albany. We need to cover the, cover the uh, Northern Arc. We did the estate at New Albany. And then I was buying an office building in Uptown Westerville. This is a true story. Sometimes people think like, you're so strategic, you're so smart, you know, <laughs> all these plans. We're buying a building in Uptown Westerville to put our corporate headquarters in our office and we had Brookshire, we had Water's Edge, we had the estate, we had a catering company called Gourmet Fresh. And they're like, what do you want the sign to be out front? And I'm like, uh, Brookshire, Water's Edge, the estate of New Albany, Gourmet <laughs> Fresh. It's like, that kind of sucks. That's a lot. That's a lot. That kind of <laughs> sucks. I said, we need a brand. We need to develop an overarching brand and umbrella. And we, we named it BTTS Holdings. I texted my mom. She was out of town. I said, I got it. Because we had gone through a lot of crappy names like elite venue services, excellence company, and you know, just things like that. Mm -hmm. Texted my mom, I said, I got it, BTTS. She's like, what are you talking about? And it was an old family saying, uh, kind of an old, my, my grandfather used to tell my mom that I love you bigger than the sky. And family, integrity, and gratitude are the foundation of our company. So she said, I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And then bigger than the sky is something that we believe in as well. Really, like the only limits that we have as our company or as individuals are the limits that we put on ourselves. So it's like the sky is the limit. You can do things bigger than the sky. It's just what do you believe about yourself, believe in each other, and just, just go for it. So that's how it came about. What are, here's another overly deep one. Now I got to worry about the questions I ask. <laughs> no, what? no, it's all good. I, I, love, I love a great question asker. What do you think are your special abilities that you bring to the business? Like, are you, Do you feel like your strong suit is finding the properties and constructing the deals? Or do you feel like it's operating the business or the creativity? It's a good question. Uh, I would I'd really defer to my staff on that. I have a, like a real struggle talking about myself. I think for me, it, it is the vision casting. It is the vision. I would say it is the belief. I think I, where I probably really strive is I'm not the best event venues operator. You know, I'm not God's gift to executing events, but we hire people who are excellent at that. I think probably one of my greatest strengths really is just pouring into people, developing people, finding out what their strengths are, and then matching that with the needs of our organization and getting them where they need to go. I think that's, you know, a really important skill for any entrepreneur to have to, or to develop, right? So sometimes people aren't always great at judging character, finding good people or, you know, delegating and giving people that chance to grow. So what would you say to entrepreneurs out there who might be struggling with that? I, I would say it's a behavior that can be learned. It can be developed, even if it doesn't come naturally. And it takes practice keep practicing it. I tell our staff all the time that I, I, I don't consider myself a great manager. I don't, I'm not a great manager, uh, but I'm maybe a great hirer and letting you manage yourself. I provide accountability. I provide expectations. I provide encouragement and you do your thing. 
No, it makes a lot of sense. So I kind of want to pivot towards the current day. Obviously, COVID's still around, seeing some increases due to some new strains. But what do you see in the future with event spaces? And even right now this year, what's going on with the event spaces as you guys have reopened? Yeah, greatest year that we've ever had by far. Uh, because you're having the reschedules from last year on top of the weddings, corporate events, and social events of this year. So the calendar is just packed, packed, packed. Thursday what does like a normal weddings. week look like? How many of those events? I'm curious. Uh, we're doing we're doing about 2,500 covers a weekend. So that's 2,500 clients. That's a wedding on a Thursday or a corporate event, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at five different venues. So you're saying tw- like guests, 2,500? Okay. Yeah. Attendees or whatever. 2,500 attendees across five event venues on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then flip right into, you know, get ready for the week on Monday. And you're feeding them and drinks and all that stuff too. It's not just food, florals, space, decor, timeline, the, the whole, the whole thing. So it's really, really busy. Coronavirus is out there. Other viruses are out there. They're not going away. Mm Mm-hmm. We've learned how to manage that effectively. What we say is you're coming to an event venues professional. So you're probably in one of the safest environments that you can be in. We understand the rules. We understand the regulations. We invested $25,000 a piece in air filtration systems in all of our locations last year. Uh, Ionization and air filtration takes out 99.9% of all the bad stuff in the air. I'm not a scientist. I just say bad stuff. Bad stuff, like yeah. The, the bad Nobody stuff. Nobody wants the bad stuff. Get the bad stuff out yeah. of here. We have professionals there who can manage the guest attendees. So is it like, is that better? Or at your neighbor's barbecue in their house who doesn't know the rules, doesn't know the regulations, doesn't have air filtration system, what's better? So events are doing absolutely dynamite, uh, absolutely dynamite. The other thing that we've seen is you know, a lot of the corporate offices, they've gone remote, right? Yeah. We don't need all this space. But what they're realizing is human connection is extremely important. And when they want to get a message out to their staff or to something company-wide, the most effective way that they can communicate that is usually in person. So they're using us in the way that may, they maybe used to use their boardroom or big corporate conference room. They're using us in that way. Like, okay, we don't need all this office space. Let's go to Edison 777. Let's have a great all-day event with a cocktail party afterwards for our staff because they need yeah. connection, they need communication, and they, they need some fun yeah. in their life. That's a really interesting perspective because you hear a lot of people talk about, they kind of look at it as if you don't have events, people are going to do nothing. But to your point, like we're social beings. Nobody's just not going to do anything. So the alternative is either you're in a very unstructured environment, like you said, which is a backyard somewhere, or you're in a facilitated environment with professionals who understand what they're doing. Yeah. Um, when, when COVID shut down bars, people didn't stop drinking. They just went and packed in basements <laughs> and it got worse than they would have been in a bar. I'm not saying that I have a better solution, but I just know for a fact because they shut that down, it didn't stop partying across yeah. the world. You know, it just made people do it in a in a well, and then when less you, safe environment and then based on demand that. Demand grows. And when we reopened, it was like, I mean, I remember Wisconsin was like one of the first states to reopen their bars and there was shots of like just super packed bars in Wisconsin. I, I will tell you what we saw is really interesting. I mean, I'm sure there'll be studies on it. We did events all through last year, except when we were mandated closed by the state of Ohio. But mm-hmm. when after vaccine rollout and after 
mask mandates lifted and things like that, people came to those weddings like loaded for bear. Like they had not drank. They had not seen a person. <laughs> yeah. like, the, the great grandmas are coming up like, woo, like, let, you know, let's go. Let go. Yeah. yeah and we're saying, let's, you know, let's slow it down a little bit. Blue Jets, man. Yeah, we, we got, we're here for five hours. <laughs> is there a current mask mandate in Columbus? I feel like I should know that as the there is. Columbus. Okay, that's still going on. I've think, been gone. In Chicago, it's really, really up, strict right now. But I've noticed very, very often that it has not a lot of teeth. Just I didn't know if it walking got- Walking around, like going around Columbus, if you walk in somewhere, you're probably going to see some people wearing masks, some people not. Because before so, I left, they passed uh, indoors. Yeah. So, yeah, so That's you're still, still dealing with that currently? We are. Uh, it's a little bit interesting, and we'd kind of rabbit hole it for a long time. But, you know, the state of Ohio actually has a bill prohibiting mask mandates. City of Columbus and some other cities in Ohio have put on mask mandates. Yeah. Uh, our facilities are in the suburbs. We do have two facilities in the city of Columbus, but they're private event venue facilities, the mask mandate applies to public buildings that anyone can go to. It's gotcha. one, of the th one of the things that's nice when you talk about being worried about COVID or things like that is in a private event venue setting, we have the opportunity and ability to control the environment. Yep. Right. Uh, no. Well, I, that's a lot of COVID stuff. I want to talk about it's a little bit more fun. You mentioned the 2,500 people, they're all eating food, right? And you can't run out of food. So you have leftovers. And what we're talking about is like that, that waste, but I want to hear more about, you've partnered, I'll let you tell the story, but I'm really excited about this. Something I want to get involved in too. What yeah. you're doing with all the leftovers. Uh, yeah. Happy to, happy to talk about it. One of our three goals and objectives for BTTS holdings for 2021 is gives back bigger. So first we have a gives back program. You, you book an event with us on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. We're going to donate a hundred dollars to a charity of your choice from a pre-approved list. We've done that for about four years. I think a couple of years ago, we were like the 72nd most charitable organization in central Ohio. We're just a small locally owned and operated family business. What we've struggled with for years and years and years is at a wedding, you do not run out of food. Yeah. <laughs> Don't run out of food. You want to go out of business quickly as a private event venues <laughs> operator, get some, uh, get some Yelp and not reviews. Went there, they ran out of food. So but at the same time, what do you do with all this extra food? Mm -hmm. And we looked, we've looked for a solution for years. And finally this year, we found an organization called Food Rescue US. And here locally, it's foodrescueus.cbus. And we partnered with them about six weeks ago when we have uh, leftover food at any of our venues and leftover florals, which is pretty cool. They will actually pick those items up we package them all up, they pick them up, and they take them to charitable organizations around central Ohio. So like Brookshire, our location in, in Lewis Center, every single weekend they take the leftover food from there and they bring it to a, a VA in, in Delaware. Here in Columbus with Edison 777 and the Fig Room here in the short north, they bring it to like a faith mission, different organizations like that. So they're a connector, they're a conduit which is just amazing. They're like the Uber of food rescue. And we're thinking right now we're on track to do 13,000 meals for people that have food insecurity uh, just this year in 2021. So those are some fancy meals too. It's not, not like uh, microwavables or whatever. Right. 
You're not getting a you're not getting a frozen lunch. Yeah, I didn't want to throw anybody under the bus. But right. yeah, not gonna call you know, anybody you know out. But TV trade dinner, you know. <laughs> yeah. We we don't serve lunchables. We have we have high quality food, and it's really. Oh, you know, not lunchables are high quality <laughs> food. Are we gonna hold on? Are they a sponsor? I didn't mean to. No, 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 I didn't no. mean to. No, no, they're no, not no, gonna just, be now. Yeah, when I was a kid, man, lunchables. Or just like I'm not gonna lie, I, I still pick up a lunchable from time yeah. to time. I'm not I, gonna lie, you know, when <laughs> I have to. T- Tim, to your point, what what that goes to for me is we. I'm a firm believer in radical generosity, and I firmly believe that as a business, as a company, we're here to make a profit and a difference. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah, absolutely. Those can work in tandem. So we talk a lot about making a profit and having a purpose. Mm-hmm. If you're not making a profit, it's very hard to make a difference. Yeah. Right? It's hard to do anything. So that profit isn't bad and making a difference isn't bad. So Absolutely. We, we believe we're here to make a profit and a difference and practice radical generosity to the extent that we can for our business. And in this scenario, it doesn't even take that. I mean, it takes work, but the stuff's already there. It's not like you're mm-hmm. making more meals. You're just being more efficient with them and you're being a little bit more thoughtful, uh, right? It's a little bit less just thinking about ourselves and a little bit about, oh, like we have this resource, what can we do with it? Yeah. There's a lot of areas in business and life that you can apply that to. And it comes across as, oh, great, well, you're so thoughtful, but it's really, it's, a lot of them are very simple. I talk about it, good business and good business. There's a lot of things that are good for business or would be good for your brand that isn't technically good business, right? So it's like the bottom line, things get cut out or done a certain way because it's good, quote unquote, good business, meaning it makes more money versus what would be a better representation for your business or long-term or for the people, you know? Mm -hmm. And so in your case, it's like you said, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be, we have all this stuff, we can throw it out or, so it's, I think it's just a mindset of being less focused on yourself and a little bit more a little bit more outward. And I love that because it helps. It could be the reason why someone would go with you as opposed to another catering or another, you know, event company. And that's a great byproduct, but it's not the reason that you're doing it. It's just because it's the the right thing to do in this scenario. Yeah. I mean, people love our gives back program. Some people do book with us uh, because of it, but we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. That, that is a, that is a byproduct for sure. You were talking about resources and, and with the food and the meals and it's the florals as well. You have a, be- a big, beautiful wedding, which is great. What happens to those florals? They're perishable. So those are now being taken to senior living centers and things like that. And it's bringing somebody happiness and, and yeah. joy. It's kind of like extending the party a little bit and bringing other people some joy from your event. Our clients love that. Yeah. They love that. Like That's awesome. My flowers for my wedding are going to go to this senior center and there's going to be 20 grandfathers and grand, you know, grandmas who get fresh flowers. They, 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 they love that. You were talking about resources. I'm a firm believer in, uh, we don't always have to spend, 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 do, do, you know, all the time. It's like, do what you can with what you have, where you are. Like, what do we have? We yeah. have leftover food that's going to waste. Yeah. Okay. What can we do with that? Is that an industry standard or is that something that's what happens to is uh, in your experience? Do most people just throw it away, or is that something that's because you said you took you a while to find a company that would would help? I'm uh, surprised that that's such a difficult thing. It seems like there's events going on all the time. There would be some sort of infrastructure, you know. Yeah. No, that. So that was the issue, right? No infrastructure in place, and the and the the group that we're working with is a not, is a nonprofit association. They're they're volunteer based. So you have a gentleman who volunteers for food rescue C bus. Yeah. who has, uh, what resource does he have? He has time. He has a yeah. van. I can come on Mondays and pick up this food and bring it to Faith Mission. Yeah. So now he's using what he has. We're using what we have. 
food rescue CBUS is the conduit and you can make it happen. Sounds like there's a business there for other event spaces and trying to connect that and maybe, I don't know, government funding or something, but it seems like such a, a massive like funnel back to something that's needed, you know? It, it is needed. It oh. is needed. Wow. And there are the lights, lights just turned on. Yeah, we were uh, hanging out in the dark for a little bit. And now that's the when, lights are when on. Tim has an epiphany, these yeah. just automatically Boom. go I love yeah. that. So I guess we need to start that business. Yeah. It just seems like something that makes sense. I'm surprised it wasn't there. That was all. No. Absolutely. I'm glad that you guys are doing it, but. Yeah. Yeah, but neither was Airbnb or Uber or, you know, any of those things. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, doesn't. Right. And, and, and also it's, 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 it's philanthropic. It's work. It's figuring out. Yeah. It's hard to start. Hey, everybody. Mike here. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. And we are very excited to partner with One Columbus. They really, really share the same vision as us here at the Conquering Columbus podcast, which is really building up the Columbus region to be one of the most prosperous regions in the United States. And One Columbus serves as the business location resource for companies across central Ohio and around the world as those companies grow, innovate, and compete within the global economy. And they help us lead a regional growth strategy that develops and attracts the world's most competitive companies, it grows a highly adaptive workforce and prepares our communities for the future, inspiring innovation across the board. Their mission really is just ensuring the Columbus region is a vibrant place to build businesses and careers. So again, we really appreciate all of their support. You want to learn more about them, go check out their website, columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back into the episode. So what are the goals for the future, right? From here, on out, do you guys see, do you see more venues in your future? Do you see, you know, expansion to other lines of business? Like what is the, what's the future look like for BTTS? Yeah. Uh, great, great question. Well, we survived 2020 mm -hmm. check. And then now we are looking, we're looking at 2022, 2023. Uh, we're taking opportunities as they come. Uh, we're, we're being strategic. Uh, unfortunately with last year, there, there's a lot of businesses that went out of business. There's a lot of event venues, a lot of catering companies who didn't make it. It's really unfortunate. Uh, for, fortunately, we're really well positioned. Uh, what our strategy is, if we take care of the clients, if we give back to our community, if we invest in our coworkers, if we do those three things, that's like our three-legged three -legged stool, so to speak. Um, that's our three-fold cord. That, yeah. I, that I believe like isn't quickly broken. If we do those things, like the other things are going to take care of themselves. So we're always looking at opportunities. We want to be the leading event venues operator in central Ohio. I think, you know, humbly because of our staff and the hard work that they put in, we are that right now. Uh, we're the only company in central Ohio with five exclusive event venues, uh, which I didn't even realize it just happened organically. So that, that's where we are. If we take care of our clients, if we invest and take care of our community and we care about our coworkers and reinvest back in them, yeah. the, the other things are going to take care of themselves. Sounds like a great plan to me. And, uh, you know, I think that's a good place to head towards our last question of the show. Unless Josh, Tim, you guys got anything left? I got nothing. I know you're relieved. I got fresh out. <laughs> I, got a psychiatrist question. I, I was leaning my chair back. I was ready for the, you know, tell me about your childhood or... <laughs> Well, John, the last question of the show is centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus. That is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that particular phrase, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career? Yeah. How does it apply to my life and career? That's a great question. I would say uh, love the phrase. I think maybe it's, it's starting to become, I don't want to say overused, but it's getting out there a little bit. 
to me, that is pushing yourself to be the very best that you can be, regardless of the circumstance. I'll tell you right now, last year was the most uncomfortable I've ever been in 25 years of business, but it breeds resiliency. And so when I hear live uncomfortably, there's a, there's a saying, I actually heard it from Denzel Washington. And he didn't say it to me personally. But I thought you were about I, to do an impression. I was really excited. I, I wish I could. <laughs> I total man crush. But uh, I, heard a, I heard a speech from Denzel Washington, and this is what I told my team last year. Ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. Ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. Last year was really hard. It was really uncomfortable. We lived that way. And we're a better company and better individuals for it. So resiliency is so underrated. It's so underrated as an entrepreneur in a business. Absolutely. Well, John, it's been great talking to you today. We appreciate you taking the time to uh, share your story and talk a little bit about BTTS. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And everybody out there, thanks for listening and tuning in. If you want to hear more interviews just like this one, go ahead, hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you are listening on. But uh, we appreciate all your support. We'll talk to you next week.